Hello, this is the podcast, The Story of Ellie Wiesel. I'm Joe. I'm Evan. I'm Mandalay. I'm Gabriel. I'm Sunny, and we're doing our podcast on pages 1 through 40. Okay, so we'll be dividing this podcast up into three topics. Topic one, when the Germans arrived and what the Jewish people thought of them. Topic two, time in the ghetto and the journey to Auschwitz. And topic three, time in Birkenau and Auschwitz. So I'm going to start the discussion off in topic one. Uh, You guys can just jump in whenever you feel like it. So let's begin. Okay, so the start of the book is um, 1941 to 1943, and Ellie is in, with his family in uh, Transylvania, which is a part of Hungary. Yeah, I'm gonna add that uh, this seemed like the Germans weren't actually very scared of the Jewish people. They were actually optimistic that the Germans were not gonna do anything to them, and they had multiple chances to actually run away and save themselves from the stuff that they ever had, but they chose not to because they didn't think it was true. Yeah, there was actually a warning that um, came from um, like the more foreign Jewish people that were sent there first and like they were like forced to dig their own graves. And then one of them escaped and came back and they tried to warn the Jewish people that were there now, but none of them listened to him. and. Uh, they were kind of expecting the Nazis to come since they heard about it, but when the Nazis came, they were like, oh, this isn't that bad because the Nazis would just like be in their homes and like one of them even bought chocolate for their host family. But it progressively got worse after Passover. Yeah, I mean, I initially reading the book sort of wondered if the Germans, you know, really um we're just if it was all just an act so that the the jewish people wouldn't run away or if those german soldiers weren't really that horrible until the secret service showed up or at least they weren't as bad as the um ss guys yeah i think that one of the things that was interesting about like the rules that they forced upon them um Like after Passover, they weren't allowed to leave their houses for three days and then they weren't allowed to keep valuable items and then they had to wear like the Jewish star. And I feel like the wearing the Jewish star was kind of a way to separate the Nazis and the Jewish people so that they could know who was Jewish and who to keep control over. Yeah, um, I also thought it was uh, not really strange, but interesting whenever they divided the whenever they just put all the Jews into the two ghettos um I always wondered if you know if they had the yellow star why they didn't just let the Jews stay in their own houses and continue to live life normally until they would eventually be shipped off to Auschwitz and and, um even when they were in these ghettos it says how the ghetto was ruled by delusion and not by either the Germans nor the Jews nor the Jews, because everyone was just hoping they would stay there, um, like Joe said, till the end of the war, and they weren't really worried at that point, and they really had no idea what was ahead of them. Um, there had been some restrictions, but they just weren't too harsh. 
Yeah, the Jewish people were even like optimistic because they were just like, oh, like the the wire isn't like that bad. Maybe we'll be safe in here. We won't have to deal with outsiders, and like we could have our own little communities inside of here. Um, but that changed when the ghetto was liquidated, and they all had to um, start departing. Yeah, I think um, whenever the Jews eventually had to leave it it was you know it was kind of like a reality check for him like hey you know we've been trying to live our life even in this terrible time you know but whenever they eventually were forced to leave their their home you know in their hometown it really kind of kicked in that you know hey this was this is real like this is you know we're this about to be horrible Okay, I think if nobody has anything else to say, then we'll move on to our next topic, which was uh, the time within the ghetto and the actual journey to Auschwitz. So I think um, Initially, upon their move to the ghetto, I think Mandalay might have mentioned this earlier in the podcast. They, you know, they appointed their own council of leaders and they had their own police force and everything. And so you wonder, I, I kind of wondered how the Germans felt about that, if they cared or if they didn't care. Um, so those are my initial thoughts upon hearing that they had appointed their own leaders and police force and everything. Yeah, that was definitely interesting, but I, th- I feel like the, the Nazis, they knew that they had control over the Jewish people, even more so now that they're fenced in, that they didn't really care what they did. Like, they even gave them the false hope of keeping their belongings and, like, let them take their belongings uh, mm. with them into the ghettos. And um, When they moved to the small ghetto, um, and they were, that's when Ellie started realizing, like, the Hungarian police weren't really their friends because they were screaming at them to move faster and saying that they were worthless. Um, and then in the larger one which had already been evacuated by people and they were only there for a few days it was like fairly peaceful before they again had to move to Auschwitz yeah I think Evan touched on this and I thought it's interesting how the Germans almost use psychological tactics whenever they let the Jewish people keep their belongings, but eventually they were forced to leave them. Um, I don't remember exactly where in the book, you know, but I think that was really just for a lot of the people, you know, it just crushed their hope that they could ever live a normal life again. Yeah, for sure. It's it's like really sickening that they played these mind games and like uh, gave them a lot of false hope of like, oh, like you could hold on to this, like you could keep this and then they'd take it away last minute. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they threatened to kill them if they didn't hand over all their valuables at one point. 
And yeah. it's like, it, it leads to the question, like, why would they do that? <laughs> I think it's at that point, it's just like psychological torture just to mess with them, just to have fun with them, which is kind of messed up. Yeah, I mean, although, you know, based on what we know about what happened in Auschwitz and some of the camps, like, you know, psychological torture was, you know, one of the many problems that they had. Um, you know, so I think most of the, at least all the Nazis were, they had been raised within a culture um, of hatred because they lost World War One. And so the way Hitler found power is because he created a scapegoat for the Jew, for the Germans and was the Jewish people, even the German Jewish people. And so they really didn't care how the Jews felt because they felt like all their problems for the past, whatever, two or three decades had been caused by the prominence of the Jewish people. You know, I don't know how they got to that conclusion, but they did. Yeah, people, a lot of people in situations like that are just desperate to like put the blame on something else because when people can't control what's happening, they're just like, oh, let's throw it on this group of people and let's annihilate them and then maybe I'll solve the problem. And you see that a lot throughout history, actually. It happens so often. Yeah, it's very common for groups to be completely destroyed because, you know, they're prosperous and actually choose, they've been prosecuted throughout history by everybody because they're you know they're hard workers and they're most of the time they're pretty prosperous and everything and so through throughout lots of history jews have been prosecuted you know it didn't just start with the germans oh geez yeah throughout the entire history they've just been like totally treated unfairly like left and right all the time it's very sad to see that isn't it I really yeah. don't. I really just can't get why would they just do that, really. Even now. Oh my god, don't tell me right now. Oh, my. I know. <laughs> um. They have, um, I have a friend who lives in Israel, and they have bomb shelters on every single corner because everyone's always trying to attack them. And it's so sad because they're always so ready for it. Mm-hmm. It's just a normal part of their life. Yeah. Um, it sounds like this conversation is kind of winding down, so we'll move on to topic number three, which was their time in Birkenau and Auschwitz, which Birkenau is actually just a section of Auschwitz, um, but it's mentioned, so we thought we'd go over it. Well, the train ride there um, mainly just talks about um, a woman named Mrs. Schockster, and um, it just talks about how she's been separated from her family and how she's kind of going crazy and everyone's not sure what to do with her. And then they roll up and they see Auschwitz, they see the sign and none of them have ever heard of it. So they're kind of apprehensive and they're not really fearful because even now, like when we hear it, we know terrible things happen there, but to them, they just don't know what's in store. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, Yeah, and they, you can go Evan. Uh, I was going to say, like, um, even then they start to kind of turn on each other because they're all so scared and stressed out. They try to, like, explain her vision and, like, uh, as delusional and brush it off. And they're just like, oh, like, maybe she's dehydrated. And then they start to, um, 
they start to try to quiet her and like get her to shut up and even so the next night she's so terrified like she still like screams about her husband and like what she saw and nobody i feel like in their hearts they all knew what was happening but they didn't want to believe it and so they tried to ignore it and say that she was being delusional yeah and i thought it was interesting it was almost um like foreshadowing of the women being the Jews and the other Jews were almost the Germans because, um, you know, she was seeing these terrible, terrible things and the, the other Jews who were so afraid, you know, began to beat her until she shut up, you know, which you think is just this old woman who, you know, her husband and son had been taken away from her. You know, you'd think they would be a little bit kinder, but because everybody's so afraid, um, it, you know, fear can really take control of people. Um, and I think it's used, it was used a lot. Fear was used a lot whenever the Germans were in their camps and during, throughout the entire war, it was used, um, to terrify people and control them. So, like, after that, and, like, the train... Actually, I want to talk about how um, the two men that come back are, like, uh, telling, like, the Jewish people, and they're just like, oh, like, Auschwitz is, is actually pretty good. Like, it's fine. And, like, they're just like, oh, and they get all happy. And then, like, once they finally get out, um, they're beaten and forced out of their car. They're forced to leave their belongings behind. And they smell like this horrible smell and they don't realize until later that it's like the smell of people burning alive and that's also when um the women and the men are separated so we also shows how like he's never going to forget that he's walking away from his mother and his sister and he doesn't know if they're going to see them again and like evan said that's when they smell the burning but they don't even like stop to think about it because if they did they would I mean they would just be so stunned and not able to think and would realize how horrible that place is and I think one thing that shows how horrible it was is the fact that Elie lost faith in God at one point like he said that he was a very religious kid at the beginning but then after he saw everything that was going on he started to kind of lose faith and it says in the book never shall i forget those moments that murdered my god and my soul and turned my dreams to ashes he even at one point thought of killing himself instead of being burnt alive yeah or yeah you know facing the far worse you know almost literal hell on earth where you you work until you can't work and then they burn you to death you know, it's just this terrible cycle um, that they had to go through. Um, so I think, you know, you can almost certainly see how anybody would be, would certainly contemplate killing themselves in a situation like that. Okay, so if nobody has anything else to say, um, then we're at about 16 minutes, 
So this discussion has been on the story of um, Ellie Wiesel uh, and her, their book, Night, in which we discuss the first third of the book. There's about 40 to 45 pages, depending on what kind of book you had. We went over several topics like the arrival of the Germans, their life in the ghetto and the ride to Auschwitz and their initial impressions of Auschwitz by Ellie. So thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next time.